This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. So y'all, at this point, when we make our outlines, I feel like when we think we're not going to have news, we should just prepare for news to come. Because we were talking and we were like, it's going to be a, a not a short pod, because I always say short pod when I jump on here and then we're talking forever about Nancy. But like, definitely not going to be a short pod today <laughs> because news came in in like the 11th hour. Not only did Superman and Lois and All-American Homecoming get renewed and Gotham Knights got canceled, but we also have some things to unpack about Superman and Lois and All-American Homecoming's road to renewal. So starting from the top uh, with, all, with Superman and Lois season four, uh, it's going to be 10 episodes. There will be budget cuts and we have a reduced regular series cast. So you can say um, that again. Mm. Yeah. I, when they said that, I I was not, I was thinking we'd lose like three people. We'd lose in seven. We were so naive in hindsight. <laughs> Hopeful. <laughs> like, who, what were we thinking? Like, what era did we think we were in? <laughs> we're not out of the woods. <laughs> but with a show like that, there are so many things to pull from. Episode count was an obvious thing. Budget was an obvious thing. I just think we didn't. We didn't expect to lose so much of the cast, especially as we knew Bruno wasn't going to be around. So that's one regular gone. Of course, they've now replaced him with Lex because we know Michael Cudlitz will be a series regular in season four. So, okay, they've made up for that. But we didn't expect like to lose so much of the cast. This show is built, built on its community. And now there's no community. To give the official number, seven mm-hmm. series regulars have been cut. It is... You know, when they said they were going to reduce the count, I was thinking we would just automatically go to reoccurring. That's not what ha- what's happening. So uh, the seven are Dylan Walsh, Emmanuel Tricky, Eric Valdez, Andy Narette, Wally Parks, Taylor Buck, and Sophia Hasmick. That's um, Papa Lane, Lana, Kyle, Sarah, John Henry, Natalie, and Chrissy. Anyone who's not in the Kent household. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what? And the thing is, like, the fact that we don't know out of the seven who is going to be coming back and in what capacity, because it's based on the availability of the actors and their interests. And they don't necessarily are going to get automatically get a recurring role. It could just be guest star. Which, I mean, there are guest stars for some shows that stick around for basically enti- the entire season. Um, and the same thing for recurring roles, but my goodness. Like, it just feels like if you don't, like Reed said, if you're not in the Kent household, sorry to you, but you will not be here in the capacity that you've been here before. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to Metropolis since we've Lex Luthor as the villain or the Kent's moving back home? Um how much of the Smallville community will be in it. I know because we did have a 13-episode season this season and they they did pick and choose the characters. There'd be a few episodes there where Natalie and John Henry wouldn't be in it and then there'd be a few episodes without Kyle and Sam Lane. So, I mean, they can make it work if they want to. It's just not knowing who you're going to get each week, not knowing if it's going to be the last episode for that character or the first of five or the first of three. It's just such an unusual situation that all of the main characters, with exception of the Kent's, are literally going to be reg- recurring or guest stars at this point. And that's that's if the actors want to return. I mean, like, it feels unprecedented. Like, 
the not only like the budget's been slashed we know that they're going to have more family-centric storylines and then probably built up to the super stuff but those family-centric storylines might not have their besties the uh the patriarchs of the families um uh the ex-husbands the, all of these characters that are, were in superman at lois's little bubble not a single one of them outside the cat household that's just shocking because like i said the show's built on community i feel like i have never seen in like what 20 years of being a television fan an entire ensemble wiped out it's it's wild and it makes me um not to spiral <laughs> um but it makes me wonder like what the budget cuts are going to look like on screen like mm-hmm. are we gonna cut like scenes where we need a bunch of extras are we just going to be on sets in rooms are we never going to see the sunlight again because you know outdoor filming costs money and apparently we don't have that <laughs> so like are we never going to see the sun again are we are we just going to be in the house are we i don't I, it just makes me wonder because i feel like in retrospect i'm like we did spend a little bit more time on sets in season three. If you like look back and like, we spent a lot of time in um, Lois's clinic at the house, but there were the times where like we went to parties and there were so many extras and that car accident scene. Like I, not that I want people to get in a car accidents, but I'm like, what are we, what's going to be on screen in season four? Like, what is this going to, now that we know the depths of this, like it's serious. This is serious. So like, what is it going to look like? beyond just these characters not being a constant presence like what is it going to look like in season four and i'm going to say it is it worth it not that i want anybody else to lose their jobs but i'm like this is such a stark compromise for the show to come back and i don't have the answer to this i don't want this show to go away but i'm like we constant we've had this conversation before on the podcast but like what shows need saved does every show need to be saved like because i said this to you guys last night sometimes we don't know what we're asking for when we're asking for these shows to be saved because a lot of times it's not going to be the same thing and i don't think asking for a show to be renewed i don't think anybody would have thought that this would have happened to this show like we just thought it was going to be like oh season four everything's going to be you know everything's fine budget cuts eh, 10 episodes we we covered the budget but like this is intense and I don't want to like scare anybody, but like that's just where my mind is going. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? <laughs> I'm hoping we built toward it. Like, like we knew this was coming, and what they're the cliffhanger that season three is supposed to end on is going to drive us into the season four plot that already has a planned out story that makes sense for these uh characters, these actors not to be a part of, and so that we don't really feel uh the extent of the cuts but that remains unclear i guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see i'm just nervous because we had already been complaining about the way that this morning cast had been written and now they're going to be gone which means like the onus of the story is really going to be on clark and lois they do well with that they really do it's the twins that kind of suffer with the rest of the supporting cast it's like okay if we have what are john and jordan going to be doing in season four where they don't have their friends and they don't have a likely will not have a school community we weren't weren't even really at um smallville high that long this season like we were in and out and they haven't really been back since so I mean, I guess we could do Metropolis. We did see Metropolis High, correct, in season two briefly with Natalie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
I know I am nervous. I, I don't really know. Like the excitement around what season four could be is gone for me personally. Now there's just fear. And I just want, <laughs> I just want it to be okay. Like I figure the Lex plot in season four is going to be strong. I figure Clark and Lois in that plot are going to be strong. But if we lost the supporting cast and they don't have anybody to lean on, are we going to get like them pretending like they're on the phone or I just got off a, a, a Zoom call? With Lana, and she told me... Lana's in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, the, like, that stuff, because even soap operas don't do well with that. So you mean to tell me, like, regular broadcast is going to do well, primetime broadcast is going to do well with this? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And that's the fair. Superman, it always is known for being, like, cinematic. Like, the, the, the first episode of season three had that big fight with uh, Superman and uh, Henry Miller um, all through the skyline of Metropolis. We know that can make cinematic things. I know that tweet has been taken, or that video has been taken out of context and shared on Twitter with people saying, this is a CW show. And it goes viral with, like, 10,000 likes because it looks so cinematic. Everyone's like, how is this on the CW? And you're like, or is this show just going to turn into a TV show now? The show looks like a movie. It behaves like a movie. And it's written like a family drama. I know I'm sure we'll still get the family drama right. But is all the movie-like qualities going to go? Like Reed said, are we going to have internal scenes? Is the like widescreen cinematic look now just going to be like full screen like any other bland TV show? We're just getting lens flares from television yeah. screens oh, in yeah. the room. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's gonna, Michael, it's going to be like, you remember the season four premiere of Dynasty? It was their first one during like the pandemic Mm -hmm. and this is a show that did party scenes like every episode like hundreds of extras they paired it so far back it was just the main cast standing in rooms 10 feet apart (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be that (laughs) Uh, and they'll have to spread them all out because they'll only have the counts um it's just wild to think about like this show has gone from 12 series regulars down to five series regulars and one of those was not even part of the cast until this coming season so you're like, how does that add up? Am I excited to see Superman at Lois finally tackle the biggest Superman villain of all time? Heck yes. But Lex isn't going to be part of the family drama storyline. He's not, this isn't Smallville. He's not going to be best friends with Clark and they're not going to be like going out together and conflicting over whatever secret the other one's keeping. Lex will not be involved in that element of the show. So the family drama perfect but who's Lex going to interact with is he going to clash with random re- random uh, recurring character of the week is he going to have any kind of arcs or is his storyline going to be strictly Metropolis and if that's the, the, the point then where do our Metropolis recurring characters come in how many of them can come back I know we know according to Dylan Walsh's wife he has turned down the opportunity to return on a recurring basis so it does feel like we've seen the last of Sam Lane but does that open up the ground for any of the other characters to recur like we still don't know at this point if the other ones will be back or not it's up to them and their schedule because if they could just go off and get another full-time job no one would blame them for wanting to do that it's just like we, we use this word a lot already it's unprecedented i've never heard of this before like we've gone from 12 to 5 and like i said one of them wasn't even on the show beforehand so like I, I said to you guys recently, Superman and Lois is an ensemble show, but you don't see anyone on the posters outside of the cats. That's literally all the show is going to be now. There is no supporting cast. Like, I wonder might- if there will be like a storyline where like everybody they love disappears and they have to get back <laughs> or something. I cannot do any more snaps. No more. No, no. <laughs> Lex turns up and he's like, guess what? <laughs> 
And I think they could make that work, but it's very much a season story. It seems like, contrived, though. It like, does. It really was. It seems like, oh, we lost seven people. How do we make this work? Oh, they disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the counts on the empty Smallville set every day of the week. Um, I'm not trying to be shady, by the way. I'm coping. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trying. Um, We're doing but, our best. <laughs> and failing. Um, but it's just, it's like it's wild because... I mean, that Smallville set, it's, that's like a soap. We have exterior, we have an exterior set for the show. Flash didn't have an exterior set. All the other big, bigger, bigger budget shows on TV don't necessarily have an exterior set. This was built to make this look realistic. And now we're going to have the set, presumably, if they don't move back to Smallville. And none of the regulars are going to be part of it. Or like I said, is it just going to be the cats walking up and down a ghost town? I'm sure they'll have extras, but that's about it. Like, I hope we see plenty of her favorite characters, but the thing I loved the most about this show was that you got to see characters like Lana and John Henry Irons because of Superman and Lois was a movie. The Kent stuff would be every bit as strong, but you wouldn't get that sense of community. You wouldn't get those recurring characters getting the spotlight that they do in this kind of show. And I just hope now that they're going to be demoted to a different level, that we don't lose that. If Lana has a five-episode mini-arc and they spread it out, brilliant if kyle has a three episode mini arc and they spread it out brilliant if sarah and jordan finally reach some kind of common ground over a three episode arc he's like actually we can let that go (laughs) (laughs) it was with you (laughs) (laughs) but like is is sarah uh, sarah and jordan's relationship whatever that looks like gonna get the jonathan and candace treatment where she just randomly pops up for a full episode and that disappears from time to time is that what we're gonna get um because the thing is, these characters have so many established dynamics with other characters. Like Sarah has the dynamic with Jordan and, of course, her family. Usually when the guest characters show up, it's only for one storyline or another. Is it going to change how these characters are used? I know maybe that's getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm trying to envision a show where these characters are still part of it. And right now, the idea is kind of scary that they might not be because it's quite realistic. Yeah, I could see them like front-loading them in the beginning of the season before we have to mm-hmm. move to Metropolis. That's the only way I feel like it would work. You brought up Candace and Jonathan's relationship, though, and I just I cannot do it with Jordan and Sarah, especially because every time they try to tell us about the time differences of travel when it comes to Jonathan and Candace, you said it was a four hour drive to, to her place, which makes it a four hour drive back to how she can do this party it's eight hours of travel they just never <laughs> seem to do the math and she just arrived last she time. left the day before it's all good <laughs> she's just like oh yeah it's cool party at two i will just leave way in the morning and, and then i'll leave late at night too like no no one's doing that no 16 no. year old is doing that i mean if you are a 16 year old who was doing that i want to ask be, why. be safe please yeah <laughs> um i just okay i just thought of something so they can't really outline the season four. Well, they can't anyway, because there's a strike, but it feels like they, they can't really plan storylines around these characters that have been cut until they know if they're going to come back. So Mm -hmm. it's like, so technically, and again, there's a strike. So they admittedly probably don't know unless they're just like thinking about it and not telling anybody, which like, as a creative, you're never not thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm getting way not, I'm getting further away from my point. <laughs> I lost the point now, guys. <laughs> Wait, I talk so myself in circles. <laughs> it was about like what they would do with the cast because they can't even really picture it. 
like what they're going yeah. to be doing. So like you can't plan storylines around these characters without knowing if they're going to be in it. Because like, what if you plan this really great storyline, then you have to pitch it to them, but then they say no, and you still have to like go back to the drawing board and plot the season. So they don't. I'm assuming they don't really have a plan for season four beyond like the broad strokes mm-hmm. of like Lex, Superman, that kind of stuff. Maybe the family stuff. Because now they can't really plan for that because they don't know who they can get back. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, I wonder also, like, for the actors who need to secure a position, because we are also in a strike, how that is going to affect getting work in the first place, especially if the actors go on strike, if they can't reach, a, reach an agreement with the production companies. Like, so they are, they would now be out of ser- series regular work as an actor and also striking and nobody's picking up anything because the, I think the the networks are all locked, right? Their TV shows are now locked because they can't move forward. Mm-hmm. So is anyone casting right now? Who knows? To, to use that word again, unprecedented times. <laughs> <laughs> and for the All-American Homecoming fans, I suggest you buckle up too. Because we haven't gotten news yet about which one of their series regulars aren't going to be returning in that capacity, but it's going to be coming down the pipe because when they got renewed, they also learned that they will be going through budget cuts and they're going to cut down their series regular cast. I believe they have nine. I don't know what that's going to do to storylines that are already in motion. Um, I know like it's already considered to be expensive because they shoot in L.A., so they, that that's an issue. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it's been a while since I've watched All American Homecoming, so I don't know where everybody is in their storylines um, and who exactly they might want, who could be shifted into a recurring status and who definitely needs to stay around. Obviously, um, our lead, Jeffrey Maya, is going to be fine. Um, I assume the actor who plays Damon will be fine too, but outside of those two... Those are the only ones I know that they probably aren't going to to move because the show is, Mm. it's about Simone, but it's also about Damon's character. I want to say that it won't be as, it wouldn't have to be as extensive on that since it's not as expensive a show, but like Reed said, we were naively hopeful. Superman and Lois. (laughs) So I I, I really don't, I want to put that out into the universe, but I really don't know what we're going to get back. Um, but then you said it films in LA, which is automatically a more expensive place than Vancouver is for Superman and Lois. And, uh, a bigger episode count so there's the budget is being used so are we going to have more extensive episode or more extensive cast cuts to make up for that i don't know I just, it's hard to make any kind of prediction now i will say just to kind of like calm anybody's nerves i'm not concerned about episode counts you know like especially all american homecoming they only got reduced two episodes that's right they had 13 for season one like they're fine like that's a tiny budget cut that's a small like concession even Superman and Lois, like, 10 episodes, we're in a strike. They're reducing episode counts left and right. I know we're conditioned to think broadcast, especially the CW. These shows get, like, are supposed to in their day. 22 episodes, 24 episodes. And 20 years ago, it was, like, 27 episodes. Um, but I'm not really concerned about this, because I, when you see a reduced episode, you're like, oh, no, final season, cancellation, here we go. They didn't say that, so I'm not going to take it that way. Very well could be. Um, but I just to ease anybody's concerns out there who saw 10 episodes and was like, here we here we are. Could be, but also not yet. So let's 
on the list of things to be concerned about, I think we put episode count where it needs to be toward the bottom. Because yeah. again, strike, budget cuts, the writing was all, all over the wall. Like this was inevitable. Seven cast members leaving shows. <laughs> that was not. Oh no. <laughs> but on your point, I agree. I kind of like the idea that Superman at Lois is only 10 episodes. It makes it feel like a real event series. Keep it like, tight. Yeah, really. Um, and we have a lot of shows on this network that are going to be stuck to the same old typical episode count, whether they're the Canadian imports or whether they're the uh, the returning shows because this network doesn't go beyond 13 anymore. So I think 10 makes it really, really cool. I mean, they'll obviously have to come up with a way to make the story shorter. I do think season three struggled with 13 because that storyline needed 15. I think they'll do better with a significantly shorter episode count just to make it more movie-like. It's more like an event series and something like this would work. And I also agree. I think if they wanted it to be the final season, they would have announced that. Like, it's going to be hard for them to get 10 episodes into a 10 episode series and then suddenly announce midway through, oh, actually, this is going to be the final season. Um, not, and then this network has done that before, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful because this show was positioned as a five season show. James Gunn is happy to let it go on for those five seasons because the Superman Legacy movie won't be out until 2025. And so Superman at Lois can bridge the gap until then. He's perfectly fine for that to happen. And they butchered the show to keep it alive. I think if now that it's been done to that extent, they could possibly renew it for one more season after that, provided it looks the same as season four, stripped back and cheaper. It's it's more easier to do because when we when we knew it was an expensive show and this network doesn't like expensive shows, we were like, it'll be lucky to get one more season. But they've absolutely put it on life support at this point in time. So it might be able to get another one at that at this. So we're between the, I don't like the idea of losing these characters, but I do think that it might extend the show's shelf life by at least one more season beyond this. Mm, but the other thing about renewals and cancellations now, though, that everyone needs to like put it back on the shelf, they just got renewed. <laughs> So mm-hmm. like yeah. like you were already like fearful that they wouldn't be so don't start the fear now because <laughs> you're gonna be yeah. waiting until 2024 to find out again. Not to mention at this point, I'm no longer listening to what the CW has to say about what their criteria for renewal is because it keeps shifting and sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like <clears throat> the the goalpost moves for it. So at this point, it'd be like more power to everybody. Hope your show makes it next year. I think just watch your show mm-hmm. because they're going to decide what they need to do for their schedule. And we've already seen that the show that they've acquired, they're willing to move even those out the way for, for new things they think will do better. So at this point in the CW's era, Nexstar era, it is whatever they decide will get the most audience and when they need it and when they want it. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, so, it's like so deeply out of our hands. <laughs> yes. At this point, like, there's like just like watch nothing. it and enjoy it and, and, uh, you know, take your blessings as they come. Because there's yes. so few and far between on the CW and all the, all of television right now. That is factual. I just, it's a sad state for this network. And then it's a little shaky for the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but so for Gotham Knights, though, Gotham Knights was the lone show in this grouping that got canceled. It was shopped, but they weren't able to find a new home. And, but the showrunners did come out and talk about, you know, moving forward and how much they love this show and how they want to concentrate on that rather than doing um, 
a Save the Show campaign. Um, James Stottero and Chad Fibash had said, just speaking from our hearts, we can't in good conscience let a community that we love and care about expend resources without being totally honest about the realities. Those realities being that it will not be finding a second home and it will not get a second season. And they don't want people to expend their energy, let alone their money in, in an effort to save it, which I think, you know, great on them. That, they, that was just one sentence from a very expertly and carefully crafted statement about the show. And it is exemplary compared to other statements we have gotten. Just going to leave it there. Read between the lines, take what you will. Um, th they explained how um, the, the studio spent money trying to find a home they were like it was in no lack of um trying on their part like they wanted to find another home it just like like look around like it's not like this is just one of like a million it feels like a million shows that have said we can't find another home windy winchesters i'm sure there's others from other networks and streamers that have tried to been canceled and trying to find a new home it just seems like an impossible task these days and i think it's so important for the people in charge not the people at the networks because they can say whatever they want i mean it's not even the responsibility it shouldn't even be the responsibility of the show owners to be like hey this is this is where we're at. This is realistic. It's not coming back. We tried. It's not happening. Let's all move forward. It happened. Let's be grateful that it even happened. Like I think that's such an important message to put across so that we don't see fans under every tweet hashtagging save the show and creating change.org petitions because it's so trying to be filled with that much hope and trying to bring something back and feeling like you're doing something and feeling like you're doing something when the people that are in charge aren't and they're not communicating what's going on. So I think it was really important and really special that they took the time to share all those words and say, like, look, we're not happy about it, but this is where we're at and we don't want you to stress yourselves out doing this. I don't know. That's all. That's what I took from it. I was, I didn't even watch the show, but I was like, well, I'm sad and I'm happy for them that they did this for their fans. <laughs> yeah, it was very upfront to them. And I, I think that's important in this era because Gotham Knights kind of became the little show that could. Nobody was really rooting for it when it started and it developed. This Counted little... her out. Counted yeah, her exactly. Out. And they really got a fan base from that, which was really nice to say. People were there for it. People really started liking it. And I've been watching it and I've really enjoyed it as well. So I can see where that passion's come from. But it was very upfront with their with their best because... We we know what we know how passionate these fandoms can be, and when you're a little show that could that nobody really gives a chance, the fans will step up for it. So I did think that was a very nice and upfront statement that that was made because it it acknowledged the impact that the fans had on the show, but it also acknowledged that they did try something behind the scenes. They saw the writing on the wall like everyone else and tried to do stuff behind the scenes, but it didn't pan out. And when that decision was made, that decision was made. So they just wanted to be upfront with the audience before the Say of Gotham Knights campaign started because unfortunately with everything going on at Warner Brothers and the CW right now, they were the only two places this show could have lived and it, that was never going to work in this era. So I just think it kind of nipped that false hope in the bud quite early and I think that's important because in this era, there's a lot more no said than yeses and it's it's it, it wouldn't be fair to lead the fans on for that long, if that makes sense. 
-hmm. on this point, everyone remember that because we're going to circle back to this toward the end. We have a, you know, we have a little assembly for everybody. The green table is coming out. So be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's a, it's a healthy place for the show owners to be in. I mm -hmm. also think that it, for those who want to break into TV uh, and find their way into becoming a showrunner at some point, if they get experience, um, use this as an example for how you want to conduct yourself and speak to your audience. When when uh, the show is done, I feel like we're in a culture where everyone thinks you can do a hashtag save the show campaign. And that's, we should not be always be doing that. I just feel like it's not, it's not necessary. It expends energy in a way that's not healthy for a lot of people, especially when, you know, we're sometimes we use shows to avoid our personal problems. And when that show goes away, then you don't have that anymore. And so then you latch on to the campaign to feel better. But it often makes you feel worse when there's no movement. But mm -hmm. I want to put a pin in that for the Green Table Talk and move forward for uh, the professionals. Just as a note, they are still looking for a new home. Uh, the CW did pass on a season two. I Someone can correct me if I'm incorrect, but I believe professionals has been looking up for a home for their season two since 2020. With three years into this fight, it does not look like that's going to be changing, but the showrunners are still trying. And I will leave it there. Love that for them. Mm. Clearly very passionate about it. Yes, they are. Determined. Uh, for our last news piece, uh, which will come as a surprise to some people if you didn't see, see this news drop, uh, The Chosen is coming to the CW. If you do not know what that is, that is a Jesus historical drama uh, that has been on for a while actually it's been available on the i want to say the angel app and it's on some of the, some streaming sites to watch but cw has acquired all three seasons and they will be playing it through to christmas eve it premieres sunday july 16th at 8 p.m season four is production is in production there's no word yet on whether or not the cw will uh cover it if they'll be airing the show but you know, if you want to see the life of Jesus brought to like on screen through the summer into Christmas, it will be on the CW live for you to watch. It, not a teen drama. This is not CW fair. <laughs> so keep that in mind too. This is not Riverdale. Yes, it's, it's not irreverent. It's, no, it is, you know, keep that in mind, but tune in if you want, I guess. I yes. Oh. And to put that, it, like you said, not produced by the CW at all. That was a confusing point for some people when the news dropped. And I saw the tweets about everyone was like, they were excited to see what this would be. And I like, a, I can't wait to see this dumpster fire sort of thing, um, what the CW comes up with. But it is it is not that. It's, it's biblical. Mm -hmm. Yep. So going to move past to what we're watching. Um, what a week this has been for the now. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's been it's it's been a wild ride actually. And every time I look at the schedule, I'm like none of this goes together. No. But no, not a single thing. That I mean the chosen is app because it's gonna be on Sundays, but other than that, no, nothing. Nothing goes together. But for every person that is going to like a show that they're airing, they, it's it'll broaden. It'll broaden in a way I don't think people are gonna come continue to come back for. I just don't see how some of these are gonna connect. Mm -hmm. but 
again, more power to the network in this new era that I'm not a fan of, but we'll see what happens in 2024. But for me personally, 2023, CW do not really have me that much. I guess my weeks are going to be filled by something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not No lies detector. No. But you do have me for Nancy. I'll be here for mm-hmm. Nancy. So, <laughs> so for episode three, a uh, very nace-centric episode for season four, right off the bat. I mean, I guess we could have figured that considering the ending of episode two, but we really hit the ground running, which was interesting. This was a packed episode. And I was thinking about the, this this morning and I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but I don't know. This we're technically like a fourth of the way through this season. And this felt like a con this episode felt like a conclusion of a prologue. Mm-hmm. Like these three mm-hmm. episodes kind of were like um a like a chapter of the story where like the premiere really dealt with um the the angst of Nancy and Ace. And then by the end, she tells about the curse. Episode two was nancy not really wanting to concede ace's desperate pleas to like let's we need to do the curse like she was very fearful of doing that and then they got to a place where they in episode three are doing that they're actively trying to break the curse and then i won't jump ahead to the end of this episode but it felt like very much a conclusion and we're gonna get i don't know if it's gonna be a collection of three episodes four times i don't think i don't know this is just me as a viewer like ooh, look at this um but it felt like we're now we're at a turning point where we're going to, you know, we didn't get what we expected. And now we're going to get, you know, Hot Lobster Man and other things. And it's going to anyway, I got way ahead of myself, but I just want to throw that out there because I didn't want to forget about it. And OK, <laughs> no, I agree with you totally. And I feel like they address things so head on at the beginning. And that was a pleasant surprise because see, these shows tend to build towards things. Um, but no, we came off the like really hot season three finale right into a really hot beginning for season four, right into the story. Everything was there. And of course, then we build up, we reach that boiling point and then we cool down. And I, I agree with you totally. I think after these three episodes, we're going to cool down a little bit. Um, and yeah, we will get into the actual events of what happened, but I do agree. I feel like that's where the arc's going. And, Definitely one of the most emotionally traumatic episodes of Nancy in quite some time. Mm. Yes, I agree. The the delving into the curse uh, was, I thought the handling of it for, you know, how they did the plot twist was very interesting in hindsight because I did watch it before um, it aired, then I watched it when it aired. And I was like, you know, I should have saw that coming. Don't know why I didn't see that coming. I think because the way that they set it up, it seems like, Every obstacle, they have a lot of obstacles with the doll that they need. And then um, when all hope is lost, then Nancy remembers something and there should be another doll. And the, the way that we get to the doll is so easy. And the way we get the flowers is so easy. So like by the time they do the ritual, and you know, I was like, why did I feel safe and secure? I even heard the needle drop and yet I still felt a little safe and secure. <laughs> I know the whole time I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm on board. I'm like, ooh, oh, okay. This is going to be easier than I thought it was. But the whole time I'm like, it's easier than I thought it was? Like, why are they mm-hmm. doing this in episode three? This feels very much like an episode 10 yeah. <laughs> situation. <laughs> like, I wasn't... Like, this show is very much a... 
they kind of get what they want, but it doesn't go their way. But I was like, I didn't care at this point. I was like, I'm on board. Do what you want. Like, mm-hmm. if it's easy, you know me. I was ready for the George and Best kiss to set Odette free. I was like, let's just get <laughs> on with it. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need it all to make sense. Just do it. Um, but I, I did not expect Temperance to have been 8,000 steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they did, really did well leading you down that garden path because like I think and, uh, Kennedy and Alex's performances were so good because they were like almost giddy Terry at one point as well when they thought everything was going the right. Quick, let's go. And Kennedy portrayed it with such a like emotion in her face. And then um, when they ran into Carson on the way out, I can't stay, gotta go do something and then ran <laughs> off. It was so humorous and giddy. And then it wasn't until afterwards. I just, we got halfway through and I was like, this is too easy. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Wow. That high. We had quite the fall afterwards. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't, I didn't think that the, like the, the spell would work. I just didn't think it would go so disastrously wrong. Yeah. Like I, I just figured, you know, we'd be internally disappointed. Not Nancy nearly dies. Like mm-hmm. I just, that wasn't what I was prepared for. I think, okay. What I love about this setup that they did though, was that it brought, Nancy's fear over Ace, which was based on a dream, um, full circle by having Ace have the same fear, but having actually experienced it, which I feel I love that. I love that like she, she can push past her fear because she only she didn't get, she witnessed it, but she witnessed it in a like a simulated format. He literally witnessed her nearly dying and them not being able to stabilize her heart. So like he is definitely like I love you. I like. We cannot be together. It's not worth. Yeah, they they switch perspectives and they switch perspectives in a way that grounded it in reality and made the stakes at where they needed to be because they became realistic. It wasn't just we don't know what Temperance is doing. We absolutely do know what Temperance is doing now. Mm-hmm. And the fact they tied it into Carson's arc as well, because when Carson gave her that Nancy that speech about you could have died, you can't do this anymore. Which, that- by the way, but not to interrupt you, but Scott Wolf. Mm-hmm. showed up like Incredible. this was an episode for him okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> without a doubt and I feel like that really helps because usually when they do these like episodic arcs you're like okay why is this out of nowhere but no they came together really really well because when you, when he warned Nancy off that it, it looked like it had set and it looked like it was going to be Nancy it was like no you're right we can't do this again I can't do this. this is this to my dad who knows all too well about grief but then cut to the next scene and she was like I'm looking up how to break it again so then it had to be S that did it I thought that was really well done especially like you said Sabrina it mirrored everything that happened it was incredible and she looked so tired though mm-hmm. and I was like is that because she's freshly out of the hospital or did the curse change in some way, because there was something about unless she just was pulling an all nighter, and that's why she looked incredibly. Yeah, sleepy. I thought it was like uh, like adrenaline and mm-hmm. exhaustion and like endorphins, <laughs> all of the <laughs> things just mixing together. The thing about this episode is, I am a known Kennedy McMahon stan, and I mm-hmm. constantly talk about her performances. If I were to rank my favorite performances of her, like the top five, I think three of them would have been in this episode alone. Because there were just so many moments where I was like, where the Emmys, are they not watching? Like where, like, (laughs) (laughs) like the, the freaking hospital bed scene, the way Mm -hmm. she was reacting to Carson, like just, she was so present in her eyes shifting. I I can't even go on from there because it was like so heartbreaking. And then the, just the desperation in her pleading with Ace and 
I know what it's like to kiss you now was like a gut punch. Just that her delivery of that line, I was like, oh, whoever wrote that, like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a high five because it was amazing. <laughs> and she just slaughtered it in the best way. I can't think of the other, like, there were so many moments where Kennedy was just like, uh, giving a masterclass yet again, like Kennedy, knock it off. Like it's <laughs> an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally spent this whole season on the verge of tears. I really mean that when she first saw S in the premiere episode and they reunited for that first time in five weeks, she looked like she was about to break down. Now, last night, even even when she was like giddy, tired, running on adrenaline, trying to get the cure or the, uh, the curse broken, she still looked like she was on the verge of tears. And then that did lead to the big breakdown. Just that subtle, but also like loud performance, the way she can switch it. It's constantly adding to the stakes of the storyline because this is going to be the most important story they tell. And even if they do cool off now, you felt it right out of the gate. And I do feel a large part of that has been just her flawless performance over these last three episodes. It's I feel like even amazing. if you don't watch the show, if you watch this episode, like, I dare you not to be moved by this story. Because, like, whether you're on board or not, like, the way that it was crafted, like, and Kennedy and Alec, like, I don't know, it all just, like, even if you, like, we're, I know we're going to get into some stuff. Because I know Sabrina has thoughts, not to call you out, but, like, I know we need to get into the, we need to get into the meat and potatoes. But just, like, on the praising portion of this, like, I think this episode, like, I, it, it was just moving whether you were on board or not like if you're not a fan of them or not I'm like you have to admit that they they were packing some punches and they were right hooking me and just fighting for my life to not feel <laughs> emotional <laughs> it is it is really good though I think the really what sold this episode was the acting in it like, I mean, really and truly, uh, there are just so many. And it's not just the emotional beats. It is also, you know, as an emotional, as a material, you more heartbreaking. Uh, there's heartbreaking things going on. But also the the amount of uh, balance that Kennedy has to do between the hopefulness and the devastation. And the I think for me, her favorite acting, my favorite acting moment for her, this episode outside of the ending Nace scene um, is in the hospital when she's talking to Carson mm -hmm. and she says, you don't understand. And immediately her father is like, what we're not going to do is that <laughs> because you know that I lost your mom. And I like that entire scene because it parallels her relationship with Ace to her dad's relationship with her mom and the deep well of love there. And for her as a person to know that that was there. And so he does understand how you feel like, and that was his wife. She's, she was your mom, but that's his wife and he lost her. And so he does know what that's like. He doesn't want her to go through that, but he also doesn't want to go through losing his daughter. Like he lost his wife. And I'm just like, can we like, you're right. Where are the Emmys? Are we, are we submitting like wake them up <laughs> like wake up the judging panel because it's it's necessary i think that this Kennedy mcmahon is a tour de force she was not breathing in the in the scene in which they she remembered um nancy remembers that the what the greek word means that is plural and that there's another doll and i said like, breathe 
breathe. The hope is like the hope is choking you. <laughs> and she was like, and she's out of breath and she's hopeful. And it was just you don't see Nancy like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like she she generally she's a logical, realistic person. And so um there are only a few moments, I think, in the series in which her desperation is at a high. Um it reminded me um as a hopeful interpretation of what happened with George when you know when she's just running through the historical society looking for the blanket she just runs in with a hope and a prayer and throws the shroud over her friend because she doesn't want to lose her like that she has such a deep well of connection to everyone that she loves and she doesn't want to see them lost to her but also if she has the ability to have the life she wants she's going to go for it and I just think that is that is beautiful I don't are we still in the praise portion I don't know if I should go from here we can pivot Okay. Uh, <laughs> my lone issue with the NACE is there's this thing that is done um, in television shows and sometimes in movies where the way that we get to an emotional resonance is by expediting the process of intimacy. You can do that through like physicality where we're touching a lot, um, even though there's not really a basis for the relationship because they touch so much, you start feeling the emotional connection for them, even if their writing hasn't written, isn't quite there yet. So with Nace, it was like, there's a lot of vulnerability. There was a lot of um, hopefulness, but those stories were just not hidden for me. Like, I think it's adorable that he has loved her since she set off the volcano when she was 15 and he was a senior, so I'm assuming 17. I... I think bringing that back in the, in the episode when they're, when she's painting the sigil on him really worked. I just feel like I wanted these things earlier. Like I wanted their past connections to come up more throughout the series. So them being put in this episode right before they're about to break them up again, didn't gel for me. Same with the, I know everyone online loved the, I want to go to Paris for our first date. And I want to go <laughs> go to like the hot air balloon. And I was like, can we get a burger first, y'all? I don't want to go on the honeymoon first. I don't. I want to like really live in a grounded reality for them. Because what it gives is fantasy. Yeah. And I don't want fantasy. I agree with you. I completely agree with you that as a series, when we're watching this, we're kind of like, it felt this is a strong word and I don't I don't know if I completely mean it. It felt kind of like retcon to be like mm-hmm. to deliver all that information, even though people have said that he's liked her since high school, but we haven't really seen it in the text completely. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a thing we're reminded of constantly. But we finally got the like canon confirmation. Um but to my point previously to like where I was like, if you didn't watch the show and you just watched this episode, it felt like it told like a complete love story where like, mm. you really don't need to know anything about their history because they told you about it. Mm-hmm. We got the stakes of their love of their like, what if we go to Paris and like, this is all that stuff. And then we get the like full circle, like dashed hopes, like tragic love story. Like we get that in one singular episode, but you're right as like a full, like, in the fourth season like this material we're getting quickly like we didn't really get to see them be happy we don't well, it would have been nice to have seen that kind of like on a lower scale like a paris moment like just in town like on a coffee date where they're like connecting outside of their work um but yeah so like for me like it's like two sides of a coin it's like eh, but also like it worked but also mm-hmm. i don't know 
it's yeah. complicated. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I feel like this episode was very much like Ness the movie, just with the exception of it didn't have the final reunion <laughs> arc. It really did. Um, Ness ha- the movie. Am I using that for the <laughs> thumbnail? <laughs> welcome to it. Um, uh, but honestly, really, it had all the beats of the love story, just with that, the final reunion. It didn't have the happy end. And I know we're obviously going to get that at the, towards the end of the season. And as that, I bought in. As the scenes, I bought in. And the performances, I bought in. But I know what you mean overall as an arc. I just wish we weren't getting it this soon. And that it all had didn't have to be contained to this one episode because like Reed said it does feel like they're going to start tallying it in quarters they've reached their boiling point and now they're going to cool down so they had to shoehorn all of that into one 40 minute episode and don't get me wrong the content was giving but as a whole it gave a lot it gave a lot yes it did and but as a whole as a whole I feel like maybe we could have had a bit more before now but I know they didn't know it was their final season so maybe they've had to stick it all and make it a little more episodic to get all the information in there but um just before we move on from the performances element also alex's performance in the final scene the pipe okay, yeah. the like the like the power uh, my goodness what <laughs> gave no... him the right <laughs> <laughs> i adorable i have no words when i i told you guys my physical reaction it was i i don't know I I love Ace so much and Alex was just this whole episode was he really like I feel like Ace he's had a lot to do but like this episode I was like oh okay we're whew, leaving it all on the table Alex was really there and the intimacy between them I felt like really worked mm-hmm. he really showed up with them and like you never have to worry about Kennedy like she's always going to be there and you don't have to worry about Alex either but like just getting that intimacy finally the painting scene you mentioned Sabrina was I couldn't look away I was like oh my god I feel like I shouldn't be watching but like ooh. I felt the exact same I it was the it was the tension I was like I feel like this is a private moment can I close the door should I leave like what is like it just is very very intimate Okay, I put my mug down, and you know that's when I'm about to start saying something. Mm-hmm. I wasn't planning on saying this, but the thing that I noticed with this scene is, and I don't know, I could be wrong, but I'm going to bring it up, and I'll find out if I'm wrong. What I like about the show is that they don't really objectify Nick and Ace. So when we get these scenes where Nancy's like, take your shirt off, it feels like, whoa. And it, I don't think Ace was objectified in that scene. I don't think Alex was objectified. It was a moment of intimacy that they have never had as characters. Mm-hmm. Realistically, like she's had that in her trauma dream sequence from Temperance. Um, but that scene made me think like, I really appreciate this show for one, portraying these two men. Do I say this in every episode? Just mm-hmm. Kings. <laughs> And then they don't, they're not like presented to any one viewer gaze. Like we're not meant to objectify these men. Like they are, and that's leaps and bounds from where the CW was. <laughs> where like, it felt like it was every episode somebody needed to have a shirtless scene just because it was the CW. I'm not going to name names. We all have examples going through our heads right now, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, like that was just something that I thought of watching that scene. I was like, we don't get these scenes often just because, and I don't know how important it was to the script that she needs to paint directly onto his chest, but I think it was for the intimacy and it wasn't to objectify him either. I don't know. I just, I, 
it made me think a lot of things. And that was one thing that I thought, and I really appreciated mm-hmm. it about the show. But did he call it, he called it a Nancy Mark, right? And the way that you don't do it on the nose is it didn't have to be on his heart, but it, it was like right in the middle of his chest. And so it's like, and then the way it's shot too, it's, it's not objectifying. Like you said, it is very much about the two of them. Then it's not about him being shirtless. It's about them doing what they must in order to be together mm-hmm. and what it would be like to be together and having a, like you have the like the whoa moment when she says take your shirt off, but then she immediately is like, oh, I didn't. I meant like because I have to put the the thing on. Like it's supposed to be. She was moved by what he had to say about having been in love with her for that long. And I think isn't that the scene that he also admits to have being have been jealous of? He said Park, Park, mm-hmm. Park and Gil, which is interesting because he, if he had loved her since he was seventeen years old. He was never jealous of Nick or Owen. Like that is Nick and him or buds. I don't know. <laughs> no, in the beginning of I wonder if it was more so feeling like what is about Park in Gil. But we that knew made he him was jealous. jealous of Park. Like the tension in that room. Mm-hmm. That was like, you're not being subtle, any of you in this room. <laughs> we did, but I just I, I because we don't get a lot of like introspective moments with yeah. Ace, I'm always latching onto them because I want to know how his brain works. Like, yeah. um, and it does very, like, especially because when we do learn about him, like, you, you learn a lot about his insecurities. Like, obviously, we know a lot about his goofiness and his loves and the fact that he, like, likes hacking and he has, like, odd things that he enjoys. But, like, it's just nice to get, like, emotional beats for him and, and vulnerability. And that was a very vulnerable scene. This is why I said I didn't dislike the nace. There were just portions yeah. of it where I was like, I see what you're doing there. And I feel like we could have sprinkled some of this in through the past three seasons. And but circling it. back to Alex's performance, I think the second scene that really made me melt from his performance is when in the scene where she's describing the Paris fantasy, the way he looks at her, I was like, Alex, please stop. It's like butter. He's just, stop. just... Don't stop, <laughs> but like, stop. <laughs> he really showed up for this episode. Like, he's really fantastic in it. It was incredible. Through the entire, through the entire episode, I think, like... They're matched together really well in that last scene. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I understand both of their perspectives. Yeah, I wholeheartedly get. You didn't it. want to say any of that the same way that she didn't want to say any of that in the was it season three finale when she mm-hmm. was mean to him because out of necessity, I guess I don't know. And um, it's kind of like the same thing, but he's kind of like, I'm where you're at now. I don't want to be saying this, but my God, those. It's so like multi-layered that whole discussion that I'm like I don't I have I I'm everywhere I'm ping-ponging across the, between the distance between them, and bless him the way he said at the end that really drove that home like I can't stay here it's too painful and then he just walked off it really did come across because he, he knew he didn't want to be anywhere else but with her but he couldn't anymore he had to do what he deemed to be the bigger thing so that she could live a long happy life and well long life with even whether even without him in it but like. It was used to Ace being so like chill and calm and collected about everything. And I think that's why him and Nancy worked. I always called them two parallel forces, but neither colliding. And this is something he's really passionate about. So we're getting to see him in this light for the first time. And I, it's it's a whole new experience. And I do agree with what you guys are saying. I know what you mean. We've commended the nest for being so subtle for three years. But now that we've been thrown into it, we're running out of time. We almost wish it wasn't quite as subtle so that we could have gotten a little bit more leading up to it. But like, 
the montage when they were talking about the first time or no wet the first kiss and then all the yes. throwbacks to everything i said i wanted a first kiss and wow did i get one <laughs> that was that incredible was scene the first kiss that we don't get from like i remember like years ago like when we were teenagers like first kisses on tv shows were like a big deal mm-hmm. and doesn't feel like they're a big deal anymore and that was like that was big stuff Mm-hmm. And it was a good kiss, like as far as moments are concerned and chemistry and like intimacy. I was like, again, I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> should I be here for this? <laughs> it was very West Allen, actually, mm-hmm. like, um, with how they did it. I even the mentioning of I know you had this kiss before, but this is the first time. It's the first kiss for me, and it being it being very serious about it. Like Ace was like, "This is my first kiss with you," and they gave him like the camera spin. Which is what reminded me of West Allen because that was yeah. very momentous right before the tsunami was about to hit the town. I'm gonna kiss you before I go running off, sort of kiss. I feel like you're they don't do first kisses a lot, like they do like the momentous moment. What am I trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> like the ones that are a long time coming that we're like pining for, and yes, okay, there we go. I didn't feel like I kind of that's another reason why I wish you know we had more time. Because that was the big thing for West Allen, which is they would kiss, right? And they would get erased. But every kiss that they had was momentous. It was a thing that like you can remember when they did it. So for for Nancy and Ace, they have the we try to break the spell kiss. And they both have that. They both remember it. I'm hoping the next time they kiss, they also get a really well done um, and shot kiss. And, and I also kind of hope like that they're... It feels like for Nancy, every time they kiss, it's results in, I want to keep saying trauma, but trauma. And I want their relationship to, and I know that it will, like that's what we're building toward, like duh, but I want to see it result in something that's not traumatic or results in one of their deaths or has high stakes. I just want, like, I don't know, as a fan of the show and a fan of them individually, I I want to see them be happy, which is something mm-hmm. I've been saying. <laughs> Before we move to other parts of the episode, though, I do I have this I have this theory, and it's probably not correct, but I really want to know if Temperance's curse is even real. Like <gasps> there's part of me that feels like she's such a sadist that it would be she would everything would trigger right as if there's a curse. But there actually isn't one. That it's all theater. The breaking of the glass is theater. Like the not Nancy's mm. heart being erratic. That that's theater. Like she doesn't actually intend on killing Ace or her, but she wants Nancy to be in a perpetual state of uh, fight or flight, so that she can never be comfortable in her love. And she so it. I'm just like it. Would she do that? I feel like Temperance would do that. I would feel like she would never really kill them. She would just make her think that yeah. they could die. So she's just like in the underworld, just like getting her laughs and giggles, breaking barometers and making lights explode. How do we find like, there's got to be like a moth that we can like squish and then Temperance is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <and then> temperance <laughs> is no more. <laughs> yeah, like, that's why I just feel like either she, it's her essence is in the moth or the the moth is just carried her last spell but the spell it doesn't actually have enough power to kill anybody just enough power to give you fear mm-hmm. so it's like um what's it called um 
what's it called when you like take a fake pill placebo placebo yeah there we are that's the word (laughs) (laughs) placebo curse yeah i mean it'd be interesting if that's the case because i feel like this curse kind of parallels real life in the the sense that you don't actually know how long you're going to have with your partner you never Mm -hmm. know you just assume that you're going to be fine because why would you dwell on that but um so i would think is that what she would be doing is because the reality is ace even if they weren't cursed could get in a car accident the next day that's Mm -hmm. just how life works so but she's making them concentrate on it yeah yeah the curse is them being fearful that's the, that could be the curse. I wouldn't put a pastor. Yeah, that was such a temperance thing today, and the fact that like the curse breaker didn't even work. Like there has to be an explanation for that. Is it because there isn't a real curse after all? Maybe she just has a mild curse, which is like messing with them every time they think they're going to get together. And, and with the moths turning, like the mm-hmm. flowers turning into moths. It's like I'm like, ma'am, do we have your number? Like I feel like this is not a, a thing, but it feels like a thing because it has to be. I don't know, but I guess we'll. We'll see. But moving to, um, before we move to the case of the week, I do have to, I have to talk about Miss Jean because I did love the parallel between Nancy and her dad and, you know, working with the love of your life and not wanting to lose them. I did not like Jean's reaction to him not wanting her to drink out of Kate's cup. She does not need to drink out of Kate's cup. Kate's cup can stay in the cupboard where it belongs. Like that Mm -hmm. threw me. And And it felt like it didn't need to turn into a thing of where like, Carson needed to change the way he felt about a situation for her. I don't know. I was like between, I tried to see her perspective where it's like, okay, she should be able to ask for what she wants from her boyfriend or what she needs emotionally. But I'm like, it felt like a lot to ask of him and pressure him. It felt like in the princess diaries, when um, Lily says to Mia, your dad died like two weeks ago. I thought you were over that. Like, girl. <laughs> That's what it like seemed like. It wasn't that intense, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, why are we like forcing Carson to get over this? Like, he shouldn't. That's the mother of his daughter. That's his, I don't know. I'm like, just don't drink out of the, the teacup. <laughs> <laughs> Some sometimes you do see that on TV that like the real powerful stories are started by the silliest of things. And sometimes I'm not saying it's silly, but sometimes maybe they could have had a stronger catalyst for that, if you know what I mean. Um, I yeah, I yeah. Mean, it helped Carson grow, but I'm like, did he need to join uh, the the support group now? Yeah, like it, right. I I mean, I liked yeah, like he felt like you know maybe I do need a support group. Maybe I do need yeah. to talk to people like that love that for him i hope that he meets some nice people at the widower support group and he finds community but the fact that it started by the teacup like that she innocently takes down from the cupboard yes and did he react strongly sure but like he then just put the teacup back and went right back into their their conversation she was the one who was like taken aback like oh i can't drink out of kate's cup like no you can't why do you want to drink out of kate's antique cup he said it was like, it's chips. We could fix it. It's like, mind your business, one. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't. I was like, girl, what? Like, one, like I thought. I like, already, like, don't really like her. I'm going to be real. I'm gonna be so real right now. Like, I don't really care for her. Um, But I love Carson. I've come to really love Carson, especially after this episode, because I was like, okay, Scott, well, we're doing it. So I'm like, 
I don't know, Team Carson, I I'll, I'll stand in front of him any day. Like he doesn't need to bend anymore. Like when are you going to mm-hmm. bend, Gene? <laughs> you know, because the, the I thought at the, t- at the table at the claw she was going to expand that it wasn't just the teacup, right? Mm-hmm. That it's been other moments in their relationship where he seems to freeze up when it comes to Kate, or perhaps she just wants to be able to talk about uh, his his wife, and that never came. So then it just becomes about the teacup, and I'm not I'm just not there with the Gene. And then him sadly being on the phone, leaving her a message, like with tears in his throat, telling her that he's joined a support group and he just wants her to know that he's going to do what he can so he can fully be with her because he wants to be with her. And I'm like, I don't know if she deserves all this, sir. I don't mm-hmm. think she deserves all that. I loved in the in the kitchen scene, the teacup scene, where she was like, we never talk about Kate. And he's like, we're talking about her now. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <Not> yet. <laughs> but I'm like. Why, like, I understand you want to have that level of intimacy with him. You want to be able to, like, know your boyfriend, your partner, whatever. I don't know what level they're at. Um, and I don't care to know because, you know what? Whatever. Um, but I'm like, why do you want him to talk your ear off about his dead wife? You're not his therapist. Mm. I don't know. I'm just going off the deep end. Whatever. I don't know. Happy for them. Or sorry that happened. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I, I'm sure they're going to give us follow up on that, um, and perhaps they'll be able to open. I, I need them to because you can't. It just can't stop with the the mm-hmm. tea tap. There needs to be a Z plot where they bring them back up. <laughs> yeah, he needs me. to find something in her so they can like. I don't know. There needs to be another conflict because it can't is... be all. It can't be all on him because he's still working through grief. I'm like that seems a little bit unfair. Like she's got to be lacking in something or not bringing something to the table for him. Why aren't you asking him about his grief, Gene? That's a question, you know, and if this was so proper, what would come up two months later would be that, like, he would find out that she either has, like, a, a boyfriend went missing, engaged mm-hmm. or boyfriend went missing, and she just, but you didn't talk about this man who disappeared 20 years ago, but I have to open up my heart to you about the wife. She'd be like, well, it was different because I was 17 years old, and, like, and you're like, well, isn't that convenient? We're already <laughs> mad about something that didn't happen. The <laughs> story planned out. <laughs> oh, but speaking of the story, that was the portion for the um, taste of the week, mm-hmm. which involves a doll. Um, I like that this one connects specifically to the curse plot rather than the yeah. what's happening with the town. I was trying. It's a Pluglia doll, Plugonia doll. I wrote it down, but then right. I couldn't remember the pronunciation. Um, but it was interesting that we just have a demon-filled doll sitting around in someone's house that we borrowed um, so that we can break this curse. We just leave heavily. If they open the box a little bit, the demon will come out. So why is it so easy to open the damn box? <laughs> I don't know. Because when Ace set it on the table, it was already askew. As if he just placed it. Why is the glass box already? Yeah, a when open? he like he like lifted the lid, you could already hear like the <laughs> of the demon. And Nancy was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is there not a lock or like something? I don't know. Not to get into the, you know, it needed to be easy to open for the plot. I get it. I'm here. I'm with you. It needs a childproof flock too, because the the, because babies, the children mm-hmm. they came to they're like we want to stop this bully. Which ladies, we should not be talking about the supernatural among those who do not believe in the supernatural. It ends horribly for everybody. But I love the girlfriends were so sweet, and the fact that they were like, we're gonna go down into the archives and we're gonna find something, and then they did the demon box just out in the open. I was like, yeah, we're gonna 
I love them to pieces, but why are we touching things that don't belong to us? (laughs) (laughs) It's all very appropriate for their age, though. (laughs) I know. It's there. I I mean, I grew up hearing you can look, but don't touch, like terrified of touching anything in the grocery store. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm not touching like a, a box with an ancient thing in it. No way. Especially the book they pulled out, like a spell book. And then they're just like looking for the, and it, it just immediately goes to what they need. And I was like, ladies, and we're Hocus not going to question. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't question it. We don't know what language you're reading in. We're just going to prove to this bully that the supernatural exists and then accidentally release a demon. I knew as soon as Bess left the thing on the table, because they're like, yeah, leave it here. It'll be fine. And she like looks at it in the camera pans and like, we're not getting what we need this mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> it's going to be a for us. <laughs> Verdi and Jess are interesting to me um, because they add another element to Bess's story where it feels like she's going to get what she had wanted in season um, three, where she was she wanted to come in. She because they she wanted to be a part of the ladies in white, I mean, women in white, but they weren't really around. Well, now, as a, an expert of the past, what is it, it been two months since she got powers? I feel like she hasn't been around that long with the with the Who magic. Knows? I don't know. Let's just pretend time doesn't exist. Okay. She's a full full on expert. And so now she has these young ladies who she can help teach the craft to. I thought that was a wonderful scene at the end. I'm a little worried for um, Birdie and Jesse in this instance because we've already seen they do not have impulse control. So we could, once we learn, decide to teach somebody else a lesson and that could go awry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to pop off about Bess again. I really don't mean to, but I I'm glad we're going back down to the witchy element, but I hate that the episode put her in the predicament where she had to do the silly thing which creates the inciting incident again because Irish they uh, Birdie and Jess felt, felt like they were available or free to talk about the supernatural there and then put Bess in a position where she had to say, oh, the supernatural doesn't exist. We're, and I, I get that the supernatural should not be in everybody's hands, but we yet again put Bess in a situation where she has to let people down and then spend the rest of the episode making up for it. She did, but why are we still doing that to this character? I just feel like there's more for her than she, she has to keep redeeming herself or making up for things she did. And she didn't exactly do anything wrong, but why was she put in that position in the first place? If you know what I mean? I feel like I'm ranting about Bess all the time, but <laughs> we're doing the same thing over and over again with her. I just want it more for her. Yeah, now she's going to have a problem with the bully's father, who mm-hmm. the fact that he wanted to bring the police into the situation, I'm like, sir... That's your son on the computer looking up what you are uncomfortable with. So therefore, it's talk that you need to have with your child. The police do not need to be involved. Because what is it? Um, Jean walked off saying that there's a parent complaining that Mm -hmm. there's uh, child endangerment going on at historical society. What is the endangering thing? He did not trespass downstairs. He did end up cursed, but that was because of the girls and that was off property. And they were not sanctioned to have that demon doll. Like, and other than that, like, this is a personal home conversation. Part of me feels like we might get a lot about censorship in Nancy Drew season four. And I just feel like I don't know if we need that this season. It is, there's something very much giving parent counsel coming mm-hmm. to the local historical society, which would be their placement for a, libra- a library. Telling them what they can and cannot have on the shelves. Mm-hmm. I, I, 
do not want that. I kind feel... of giving like witch trials too. Like, yeah, they're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. To quote Taylor Swift, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this show or the season is definitely starting to bring in the idea of will everyone else find out the supernatural exists because we have everyone is drawn into the water storyline because everyone's in danger we have all these random supernatural situations going on with bodies rising we had that scene in the uh, town council where that man was spreading conspiracy theories about the dead rising which we know aren't conspiracy theories we have this man up in bess's office giving off to her that she works with the supernatural and that it's all folk folklore and not real when we know that it is um and now the drew crew is going to have to save the town from whatever this unusual subtle evil that could affect everyone as i do wonder if we're gonna if other people are gonna find out that the supernatural is real and that's what the season's building towards because like, if how do you not know though exactly that's right like how many people has nancy drew saved <laughs> you know what i mean um, <laughs> i don't get the impression most in her shoot but i do know that it's real because it's just i mean all the traditions are ghostly in some some manner there's yeah, always something weird like going on the 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 man, I don't know, the the bully's father, he made it seem like it was all just like stories, myths, like what do they call them? Legends. I don't know. Like it was just like stuff people said locally that's not true. Um but I don't know how you I guess it's one thing to like see weird things happening, it's another to believe believe mm-hmm. it. Well, he did pop off about Santa Claus. I'm like, leave Santa Claus out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a weird comment to make it's not even like the same but the i don't know i guess if we do this plot it'll be like a a thing on censorship and potentially religious freedom and i don't know what else i unless they're just gonna completely run through this in a lot because he told that he's gonna tell the chief right well she saw bodies come to she life. Saw mm. it, so i'm like i don't know if you're that's not your ally quite yet but no. she hasn't been around for the past two episodes so Mm-mm. I have not missed her, but like <laughs> <laughs> it's but been I, a nice break from the law enforcement in Horseshoe Bay. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The park. You're welcome to come back at any time. <laughs> I do miss you. Do not miss miss Chief. <laughs> uh, but to to go back to the man in the during the council meeting who did you know was popping up about conspiracy theories, but it was actually accurate. I think it's interesting that um, Nick is like the man of the town. <laughs> like that's his position yeah yes he's so collected yeah it's like i'm watching this unfold because like in the episode i'm kind of like nick hasn't really had much to do this season yet and then i'm watching this this at the scene where he's they're in a a town hall meeting Mm -hmm. is that what that was Mm -hmm. and he's a leader he's always been like even though nancy's like the head of the the pack he's always been like the dad the leader the he's been that and it's not it's a natural progression for his character and i really like this direction for him to be like a an authority in this town like a leader and and it's he's always kind of taken on that role of like being somebody that is a voice of reason that like is fights for what is right in this town and it's not like i hate to see him constantly put in this position where he has to explain things and educate people but i'm like who better like he is such a natural born leader and it's a perfect character arc for him to come to this place where he's constantly doubting himself he doesn't see himself in this light and then he just comes into it naturally from the experiences with his friends and the hard reckoning he's done with um 
you know, excavating his past and dealing with that. I love it for him. It's fantastic. He even arrived to the meeting with the, the knowledge. It was like he was oh, talking to mm-hmm. George about the water contamination, but he came in with the studies. He's like, I had a contact from the town over who's willing to like, they're going to give us their water for the day. It's a 24 hour process. No one's even going to notice it, not even going to fill it. And I was like, look at him. We didn't just arrive to the table with our opinion. We arrived to the table with facts and figures mm-hmm. and solutions exactly what you want to happen and Brie shut him down I also didn't like I was like we don't understand water contamination because she held the water up and she was like and I think she drank it and then she was like oh it seems fine to me I was like ma'am that's not how that works you don't have to see (laughs) what's in the water in order for it to be contaminated she, I think that actress was in Superman at Lois working in the mines and she had the same she energy. She looked familiar. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what? Um, I'm getting vibes. Why did yeah. I not like you or your character in the past? <laughs> I, I, I think that was that poor woman who ended up having her neck snapped by Bizarro Superman. And she was giving the same kind of energy, an ally here to help. And then when they got into the nitty gritty, you're like, actually, there's more to you. You're not that good of a person in the uh, first place. And so with her, it was all about appearance. She was all for snapping the selfie with neck because it supporting a small business owner but she wasn't far listening to what he had to say she was happy for him to be on the council and to listen to his ideas but not really listen to them because it was good for the public persona and that's why i think this is a good arc for nick because he was persecuted by this town in season one he was never allowed to let go of his past and now he could end up coming full circle by him being a voice on the council that can actually change things and it seems like the council aren't in the business of changing things they're all there for appearance so it's pretty cool that if nick gets ends up being on the council as a reluctant member who doesn't want to be there but ultimately becomes the one who creates real change in the town all for that we said throughout the course of the show how he's create a change and i know he's had to stop and educate people who wouldn't bother listening but that's where his talent is so if he gets to bring horseshoe band to a new era of more open-minded people that actually accomplish real change i think that's a perfect uh, way to end next arc i was really like actress Mm -hmm. oh the the her name's cat she i interviewed her and i'd asked was she going to be back on cw again she said she hopes so uh because she is from canada and so she's she's been on a few cw shows and lo and behold nancy drew season four (laughs) (laughs) um i was i was gonna say i really liked george pushing nick to do it because i think he has that natural reaction kind of like me i kind of relate to this where it's like you're presented with an opportunity and your immediate reaction is like, I couldn't do that. That's not for me. Like, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not qualified for that. But George was like, no, you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) You're the, you're the right one for this. And she was so gleeful. And I love, it it just spoke to their, it's, it's, I think it spoke to their arc as a, a couple and a friendship and even seeing George in a much more confident place professionally and I, I appreciated the visual juxtaposition of George and her professional attire and then later on she looks like George again she's got like her space bun situation up in her bob I, I just I love the duality of George now even was it Jesse that made a comment about what she was wearing mm-hmm. early on or mm-hmm. something I, I don't know so. I just like I love the parallel journey that they're on that took the at first it took them apart but now it's like bringing them together in a way where we can see the growth in both of them and they're still, even though they're not together, George is taking what she's learned and 
you know, pushing George or pushing Nick in a direction that will be, I think, beneficial to himself and everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's not even the part that he wanted boundaries on. Uh, he doesn't mind that she's pushing him to, you know, be more involved in town. He's just, I liked his speech to her about how when you break up with someone, you're allowed to have time to yourself. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, we're co-owners of this business and we're co-parenting your sisters. Like I need like some space somewhere. And so he can't, I guess she has to is respect that. Like, if you ask me to talk to your sister about something, I will do that. But you can't come back to me and have a problem with what I said if what I said wasn't really an issue. Um, I I think them navigating post-breakup, which feels like it's not going to be post-breakup for that long with the way that they seem to be keep getting paired together, is good because it allows George to see, I took this break. And I think she's realizing how much their life is entwined and how much she wants it to continue to be entwined. They do pretty much act like America. America. Mm-hmm. They're in each other's pocket all the time. There is no, uh, <laughs> there is no break from each other. And I don't think they really want one, but I think she needed that talk for her to get that like, hey, if we're gonna keep doing this thing, perhaps I should be more open about, perhaps I do want to be with Nick. Before things get serious with Jade, and thus we may not see Jade, they might be done with their arc. I don't know if this is one of those things where the character goes on a date and you never see that date again. Mm-hmm. Or it just takes a couple episodes because we didn't hear about Addie t- this week either. True, that's that is um, Bess's girlfriend though, which yeah. would be different from Jade. But Jade would be Nick's significant other, but they've only been on one date, so yeah. But it, they were they even mentioned? I don't think so. Because like, if you just watched this episode, you wouldn't know that Nick was involved with somebody, kinda, or that Bess was either. Not that it, either thing was important to the plot, but. True. But I feel like if we were to hear about Jade again, George would bring them up. Because George mm-hmm. was involved True. in that too, in that storyline as well. I feel like for fans and fans who are like, I don't think the fans are mm-hmm. worried about them, but if you are, you, would, you shouldn't be, because even episode four of the synopsis has them paired again. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, at the end, the oh, I don't know her name or what she did, but... Bree. Yes. <laughs> She's in her bathtub drinking her drink, and then she has the the vein situation, mm-hmm. which reminds me that doesn't kill them, right? That just makes like there's the thing inside them that influences mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it changes but it them, but it can kill them. I think so. Um, Judge Abbott, I think, had a heart attack because his memories came back of something horrible that he had done, and he was trying to destroy the file. He might have just been a specific case. Or it might be about how much water you do ingest. I'm not sure. Nancy just became bro Nancy. So I don't have no <laughs> idea like what's going to happen with Brie or why like why the water affects people differently. Hmm. Interesting. We didn't get progress on the sludge though, as far as like what mm. it's what's going on. Yeah, it was very like um we're putting that to the side to, to deal with Nancy and Ace. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if this is. I did suggest maybe this last week that the sludge has different side effects in everybody. So, like we just mentioned, we had bro Nancy, we had uh, what was the other one? The, the bodies, we had um, the uh, as you said, Sabrina, the judge had the heart attack. But like 
And now that it's in the water and clearly it's having a different impact on Bray, did she see something? Did it make her feel something? I wonder if now is that it's in the water, it's going to start affecting loads of people all over time. You know, the way like in the flash, the particle accelerator created metas of the week. Now that's like, like, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did watch some of the first season, um, <laughs> but like the, the, that created the metas of the week. So like maybe the sludge will create each adventure of the week going forward, because I do think we are going to purr back on the character stuff, like the nest stuff for a little while and get more into the nitty gritty. Like didn't one of you said that the spider episode is a standalone episode. It might not tie into the main story. Is that related to the sludge? Um, so I do think this is a good overarching arc for the season that will also give us some of those standalone Nancy Drew episodes that we like. I'm excited to see what they do with Bray because this actress works a lot in supernatural dramas. So like <laughs> what exactly are they going to be doing? Because she wasn't the she was a metahuman in the flash. In in um Motherland Fort Salem, she was a witch. A very, okay. very powerful weather witch. So I'm like, we could, I mean, but where's budget? Um, it, it depends on what the budget is for these episodes. But like, will she be doing something crazy or will it be like Bree's entire personality switches? Uh, as a season, folks, episode four, spoiler, it's not really a spoiler if you read the synopsis. She doesn't make it to meetings that she set up with George and Nick. Two separate meetings. Okay. So He's, she vote, she's voted out and Nick takes her position. <laughs> I'd love that. I mean, I feel like this is the, his, it's his journey to being the mayor. I feel like we're on the road. The campaign will be at the end of the season, and I will be casting my vote in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> we're making buttons, flyers. <laughs> we're campaigning. Yes. Bess will be his campaign manager because she's mm-hmm. fabulous at that. Yes. Uh, manifesting it. Do we have time? No, but still <laughs> Did we leave anything out? I feel like we touched everything. Yeah, I don't, I think that is everything. Um, oh, I guess just to a personal note, loved the the big giant TV and the VHS tape moment. Just adored Very it. Nostalgic. Very nostalgic. I want to kind of see it again. I do like this, this, this part of Bess's arc, which is she is really doing what she can to make the historical society an integral part of the community. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Love that for Bess. I think that's it. I don't. I really don't think there is anything else. So let me just like get the green table out of the closet and push dust, it on. Dust it off right there. Up here. Like let's wipe Everyone, it down. Grab a chair. Everyone, are we in? Yes. <laughs> grab a drink Everybody if you here? need it. <laughs> so we wanted to have a green table talk, which if you're unfamiliar, because I feel like we haven't had one in a while, is when we, you know, we, you know, we gather everybody around and we have a serious chat and we have a, you know. Green table talk. Um, so there's been this thing that's happening every week because Nancy relatively for the past two weeks, and I'm sure the episode three that we just talked about, the ratings have been relatively great for this network. And I think they've grown since season three, Michael. I know you're our ratings guy. Yes, I believe the season the second episode of season four was the most watched one since the season two finale. So we've grown significantly for season four, yes. So Every time the ratings <laughs> drop, everyone's like, save Nancy. There could be a season five. And I understand that inclination to see the show getting great ratings. And you're like, why is it ending? However, Nancy Drew's not going to be saved. Um, and there are multiple reasons, such as this is the final season. They wrote a series finale. Another reason the cast 
options have ended. I, they, they're no longer attached to the series. So if there were any world in which these numbers were used as evidence of them shopping it somewhere else or re renewing it, that process, I think, would create more logistical headaches than necessary. So I know that sounds very like doomsday, like, why are you raining on my parade? I understand. I get it. I'm with you. Um, but if we're going to campaign for a continuation of the show, here's what I'm proposing, and everyone, you know, gather closely. We should pitch follow-up movie series. That is doable. They can take two months, two months, a month out of the summer from whatever jobs they go on to and film a sweet, cute little movie in the summer, standalone mystery that continues their personal journeys. We can see Nace in action. Maybe Tom Swift shows up in one. There's a blueprint for this that's better than re-greenlighting a whole show, which takes contracts months out of the year. We would, as evident at the top of the episode, we probably wouldn't get everybody back. Mm -hmm. A mess. It's easier for movies. I bring this up a lot. Psych. Mm -hmm. They've done like three movies since it got canceled, and I don't think they're stopping. I'm like... That's perfect. We just need like Nancy Drew and the something, something, something. And we get a fun summer movie. How exciting would that be? So while I'm squashing the hashtag save Nancy Drew, hashtag renew Nancy Drew campaign, I think we flip it and reverse it. And we and we fight for movies in the future. Like imagine if Veronica Mars... They did that one movie and they were like, ooh, we should make a new series. Imagine if they just kept making movies. I think that would have been a better track for it. So like we said at the top, we don't always know what we're asking for. I think we have a little bit more control of what we're asking for from a movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems like a better option. Anybody out yes. there? Drudes? Drew Crew? What do we think? <laughs> well, okay. So especially for the book fans, right? The move, A movie is the better move to get beloved stories adapted. Like... Uh, I, don't, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but like if they ever want to do like, or even some of the adaptations of the the games, Nancy Drew and the Haunted mm -hmm. Mansion, Nancy Drew and the Haunted Carousel, like like uh, we could be on camps, we can go to ranches, we can do like a whole bunch of different things in an easier capacity. I mean, people who, everyone wants shows because what they used to for TV, but Lifetime and Hallmark are thriving on movies, low budget mm -hmm. movies that they, they're churning movies. out. And they're series that people do love them. Like they have mystery film series that people tune into every year. And they're waiting around to see like what the next one is going to be. Would love it if we did that with Nancy. I, I think it would do well. And there's less like when you're making a series, you need constant conflict to fit 13 hours. Yeah. Like if they were to ever come back, and I'm not saying maybe someday in the future, if the show becomes like a cult hit and they come back for like a revival, that would be incredible. But like, you have to have conflicts. You would have to, like, just watching Nace be in a relationship happy would be slightly boring. So there needs to be conflict there. So, like, if we come back and they're broken up, we didn't get what we really wanted. And then we're just watching them get back together again. Or That's just an example. You know what I mean? But, mm -hmm. like, in a movie, it requires less breaking down of, like, and relying on the character struggles where they can have, like, a mystery. And there can still be an underlying conflict within the characters but because it'll just be like an hour and a half two hour journey it's not 13 weeks of oh god we need to find story for these characters and like 
undo things and just up do an upheaval like that's why a character a major character died at the end of the first the first season of the veronica mars revival like i don't we, we don't want that we just want fun times and be with these characters again and in within movies i think we have a better chance of progressing them forward in like positive ways a, a fans and wedding i don't know maybe best gets married something like that like happy times where there's also like curses and mysteries and oh, no, no no more curses i take that back <laughs> like, <laughs> like just more fun times and i think we even pitched that for tom swift too like follow-up movies like where it's just like a standalone case that also has less reliance on um serialized storytelling yeah and so that's my yeah. pitch and i think it's a brilliant pitch because honestly next we know what we we don't really know what next star want from the cw but we know what they don't want and that's the cw anything anything cw-ish related like nancy or whatever is on its way out um and it, it's incredible that it got this final season so i just want people to be able to sit and enjoy it and not get their hopes up when that it's not even the fact that the show was just cancelled that decision was made they prepared for it they wrote for it the show is ending there's no point in hoping for something that's never going to come. But I do think if you have a TV movie, that puts it back in the hands of the studio. I honestly don't think it would be on the CW if it was, but I'm sure there would be some network out there willing to show a series of Nancy Drew movies across a, a, a period of time. Yeah, whether it's Paramount Plus or whether the CW is like, yeah, we'll air it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll air it in the summer. Like, that would be fun. I don't know. I think there would be and could be a demand for it. Um, and I think there's also a larger conversation about like, where the show will go when it ends because i would love for more people to see this show so that the 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 case to be made for continuing it in some form be it movies would increase because like right now mm -hmm. we're just like okay they're gonna put it on hbo max and that's not as like wide of an audience as netflix because it's not global really so i'm like i don't know like i don't know if we're shouting into the void with this um but that's a bigger conversation about streaming services. Than, like, we do have nonsense. an example, though. Like, the Teen Wolf movie literally came out this year. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that was a beloved series that sustained its fan base for so long that a movie did get greenlit. And it went, I was not on MTV, it was on Paramount Plus. And yeah. um, people got to reunite with, with these characters. And there was some there was some retconning <laughs> like the, the, to bring a character back and it allowed like if they want to move forward with a rival series if Paramount Plus is up to it they have that opportunity I don't necessarily we're at a point with Nancy where it hasn't been long enough to have a rival series if they have a movie in two years but like a, a series revival series if they have a movie in two years but having a movie would be great I just feel like, and it doesn't even have to continue the show in that sense that it picks up from where season four ends. It could, it, they could do anything with it. We could be years ahead. We could do a prequel. We could do uh, of some kind. Prequel being like right out, like right for season one, not all the way back in high school. We, we're going to be stretching that age thing too far for these <laughs> actors. But like they can, they they really have a wealth of directions they can go into because of the source material and because of what they've already put in their own seasons. It just would, it would be great. And the CW is open to doing movies. I believe Brad had said something about that. And they were talking about how they've been speaking with Bloomhouse to be low cost horror movies. And it would be a great low, low cost horror movie and they teach you horror. Right, right. And I also want to stress too to fans that these things are not immediate. 
Like you said Teen Wolf, that's what, 10 years later? Almost mm. 10 years later? Probably less actually since it ended, but like these it's probably not as immediate. I think Psych was like it ended and then like a year later they're like, we should do a movie. And I was like, that's quick, but mm-hmm. do your thing. But like it's the these things move so slowly that um it could be in the future. And I, another point that I want to make, even about Gotham Knights, just because these shows are ending doesn't mean they need to end for you like they still exist keep them alive like that's why there are so many shows from years ago that had one season that we're still talking about today because people love them they grew over time they're cult favorites and that doesn't always mean they need to come back but they're still alive and special to people and I think that's something I constantly want to stress to people that it's sad that Nancy is ending but it had four incredible seasons that like we get to relive now and as mm-hmm. much as we would want to see it continue um it's bittersweet but we get to like continue to live with this and constantly rediscover it and bring it to other people and hopefully you know it grows over time and it's the same thing with Gotham Knights it's one season but that doesn't mean in 10 years time it's not going to be on a canceled too soon list or whatever like these shows can stay stay alive even though it seems like there's twice the amount of shows these days so there's twice the amount of things fighting for our attention in these ways but if you love something it doesn't need to end even if it ends that's mm-hmm. that makes no sense but somebody parsed meaning out of it <laughs> <laughs> no it was, i thought that was quite beautifully said very poetic. <laughs> just because it's over doesn't mean it's really over yeah as the poet katie perry once yeah, said. yeah i knew that was coming <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's very much true because when we think about pop culture and we had this discussion before about how because we have so much content things aren't really becoming classics anymore they're coming and they're going um but when we think about movies that we grew up with uh what year are we on for mean girls and that's a movie and that's been like a new generations are picking that movie up and broadway show we've got a movie that's probably going to be turned into a series like it things are things happen years after and we want it now 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 but um i think for now we just gotta follow kennedy and co to their next endeavors and hope that somehow the roads lead back to horseshoe bay at some point in the near Mm -hmm. future Mm -hmm. spread the word of nancy yeah it thus concludes this green table talk thank you for coming yes (laughs) (laughs) that was fantastic it's such a hopeful way to end to be yeah. watching a movie i mean it's it's not the news we want to hear but like we can you can turn the bad stuff into something uplifting yeah and with that i guess what would the hashtag be hashtag nancy Jew movie hashtag nace the movie <laughs> <laughs> we like to do things full circle here <laughs> Y'all think. Okay, well, that is the end of this very nice, heavy pod episode. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, it's what they do, right? I mean, they're yes. like the, one of the best things on Nancy Drew. Uh, but thank you guys for listening or watching. We're ACW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all.